Did you know that every time you listen to an ad on this podcast, you help cover the cost of producing Find Your Food Voice? Thank you to our sponsor, Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. Because of them, my team and I can continue our independent podcast. Equilibria is a women-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and back my mind and body back into harmony. EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. It also promotes optimal vaginal pH. These probiotics were chosen because they are studied for women's health. And I love that you can subscribe. So if you find that Equilibria's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense helps you, you can subscribe so you don't have to think twice about running out and also save 25% off. I just started taking the Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense after a trip overseas that made my GI tract kind of funky. I am hoping that it helps make things just a little bit easier, easing back in. And also as a woman, as a woman in midlife, I'm always looking for ways to help with vaginal pH. If you are not in midlife yet, just be aware. It's a thing that is around the corner for you. So head to myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. All right, let's get back to the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita and let's begin. Hi, and welcome to episode 116 of the Love Food Podcast. I'm Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and partner on your food peace journey. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. I'm wondering how your food peace journey is going. Is it smooth sailing, bumpy, twisty and turny? Well, I know for so many people, as they are trying to make peace with food in their body, they get to a place where they really work on the idea that there's no good or bad foods. As a dietitian, I certainly believe that through and through. There are no good or bad foods. The only exception I teach my kids are things like moldy foods (laughs) or something like that. And sometimes I talk to people who are really connecting to that and feel really free with that Yet, they get to the place where they crave something that may be related to their diet culture days or may be considered a quote-unquote good food. Maybe they crave a salad or eating some fruit or they crave movement. Does that mean that they are going back to their own ways? 
certainly for some people that I've talked to, connecting to those types of cravings can feel really scary. It can feel like an all or nothing experience and some magical thinking of, well, maybe this will make my body go back to a thinner kind of appearance. It's a really complicated, nuanced conversation, and it's so important. I have a letter today from someone who is experiencing that and many other parts of moving away from diet culture, how it affects your family and your relationship with your parents when they are still either entrenched in diet culture or trying to recover from their eating disorder. I can't wait to share the letter with you. And I have a really awesome special guest. Her name is Sarah Thompson. She is someone I got to know at um, the Beta Conference and also on Instagram as the Resilient Fat Goddess. She is going to help answer this letter, and I can't wait to hear it. Before we get to this week's letter, a word from our sponsor. This episode of a Love Food Podcast is brought to you by my PCOS and Food Peace course. I am opening up enrollment again today, April 23rd. Yes, I am opening up enrollment for the PCOS and Food Peace course. I'm not planning on closing it down. So I hope you're not getting that angst feeling of, oh shit, I need to hurry up and get to it. It's going to be open for a while. And I hope you can check it out see if it's a good fit for you. You can get to the information about the course by going to pcosandfoodpeace.com. You can also get access to a download where maybe you just want to learn more about my way of treating PCOS and this thing called Food Peace by going to the same website, pcosandfoodpeace.com. You'll get a free download and get access to my newsletter, which I send out usually once a week. And I send things in that newsletter that I don't really send anywhere else. So it's a good way to stay connected and also just get more access to opportunities and findings that we are discussing as people are making the food peace journey. If you enjoy this episode of the Love Food Podcast, I would love it if you could share this episode with someone who may benefit from its message or leave a rating or review. You can get to that by clicking on it on Apple Podcasts and scrolling down just a little bit and you'll see a place to leave a rating or review. You can also share the episode by touching the three little dots on the right if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and you can send a text to someone or an email of the episode. Every time you do these types of things for the Love Food Podcast, you're really giving back. So I appreciate it. It helps the algorithms in the mysterious Apple Podcast land for more people to find it. And I don't know about you, but I want everyone to feel at home in their own skin, no matter who they are, no matter what their body looks like, and no matter their lived experience. I want everyone to feel at home in their own skin. So thank you in advance for doing that and helping the show grow. All right, enough of all that. Let's get to this episode's letter. Dear Food. When I was growing up, I learned of your power and place. Deeply rooted in my culture and upbringing, you had the power to bring people together and were always the center of our celebrations. You were also central to our concerns. Chronic disease and eating disorders were the elephants in the room that no one talked about, but they tainted our time together food. They cloaked you in shame and guilt. Conversations around the table often led to talks about how bad we were, but how good we would be tomorrow. It was always hard to enjoy you without anxiety. In my house, you were counted, measured, evaluated, 
commented on, compensated for, and ultimately hidden. Bodies were as well. They weren't celebrated. They were controlled. Favorite foods were hidden or not bought at all. Financial incentives were given for pounds lost and minutes exercised. Something was wrong and out of place if I wasn't trying to be better. And better always meant smaller. My mom loved you too. She was my dessert buddy. And when she asked me to hide wrappers or pastry boxes before going into the house, I internalized messages that you were meant to be hidden. Cycles of restriction, binging, and purging were common for her. I grew up attuned to these cycles and spent many years trying to convince her that she did not need her eating disorder. As I reflect on this, years later, I realize I tried to convince both my parents in subtle and not so subtle ways that a person's worth extends beyond their bodies. I actively put myself at odds with my dad when he would comment on my body or eating choices. For him, it's always been about health, but I knew what he meant. I made sure my mom heard me when I confronted him, but I was a kid and their influence was strong. I remember the day my mom told me she was going to get healthy. I knew she meant she was going to try and give up her eating disorder. I felt so much relief when she stopped making herself sick every day. It was like I could breathe again. I didn't want to carry the worry. Dieting was a part of her recovery, or so she framed it. We joined Weight Watchers together before my 15th birthday. To this day, I don't know if she's fully recovered. For her, dieting is a way to control her weight naturally without compensating in other ways, but it keeps her stuck, always feeling like she's failing. For me, it was a way to get out of the spotlight. If I was demonstrating my commitment to bettering my health, my family laid off. Even if comments persisted, they were manageable because I had evidence to support my belief that I was okay. Simply saying it wasn't enough, I had to prove it. Once I proved it, I was no longer the center of attention. Dieting provided a way for me to hide. That is, until I started to benefit from being in a smaller body. By the time I was 20 years old, I had been dieting for about five years. Most of the time, weight cycling with the same X amount of pounds. Bigger bodies were meant to be smaller bodies after all, and that belief was modeled in everything growing up. When you attained a smaller body, you were seen as a better version of yourself. I believed this too. I felt like I was a better person for being a smaller person, for taking up less space. I learned to distrust you quickly, food. Any food other than non-starchy vegetables became a red light or gateway food. I didn't trust any food in my house. Foods as boring as fat-free Cool Whip or cottage cheese became irresistible. Any sense of fullness or hunger were ignored, instead replaced with meals, time to workouts, and meal plans with points attached. I became this beacon of life, gleefully sharing my accomplishments. I was praised and celebrated. It was a lot of pressure. I decided to pursue a career in nutrition because I wanted to help people heal their relationship with food. It took nearly a decade longer for me to realize that I was just continuing to put people on diets, giving them food rules like I had been given to empower them towards behavior change. It didn't work. It never worked for me. It never worked for my mom. Why would it work for my patients and clients? I was at an impasse and I felt like a fraud. I have since found a home within the non-diet health at every size community. And I once again, feel excited about my job. I'm a dietitian who's experienced life in both a smaller body and now in a larger body. I believe my small body was the product of restriction and overexercise. However, there are parts of my life during that season that I miss. I miss running 
and I had some really delicious meals in rotation for a while. Eating regularly wasn't challenging for me then like it is now. Eating enough on a regular basis was, but I prioritized mealtime and I struggled to do that now. Being celebrated at a lower weight, but not at a higher weight, does something to you. It makes you feel like something is wrong with you, like your life is less noteworthy in a larger body. People don't talk about my body now or my eating habits or movement preferences. They obsess over them if they think it's what has led to or is keeping you in a smaller body. They talk about, quote, those people's bodies and their lack of balanced nutrition and movement. There is something both infuriating but also comforting about not being in the direct line of fire of their attention. I feel safer in a larger body, like I somehow be a better advocate for my clients and patients, but I feel like my body is marginalized. Some days I look down on myself and long for when I was more disciplined. I'm actually afraid of incorporating more movement and balanced nutrition into my life because of the potential weight change that may result. My natural tendency is to associate all healthy change as dieting, and that makes me miserable. Beyond that, I don't want people to talk about me in the way they did when I was smaller. I don't want to be their before and after poster child. I resent the high horse that I rode as a thin nutrition student, and I refuse to be that type of dietitian again. In some ways, I feel like I'm not living my best life right now. There are changes that I want to make, like building up endurance and stamina to run again, but I feel like something powerful is holding me back. I want people, clients, patients, students, my family, to look at me and think, she's in a bigger body, but she's successful, beautiful, and capable, and so I know I can be too. I almost feel as though I'll be betraying some more evolved part of me if my body changes. I almost feel as though I'll be betraying my mom, who has never found peace with her body. If we both continue struggling in our own ways, at least we have each other. Diets have a voice in my head. It's the voice of my family members telling me that weight loss is about health, that it's, it's okay. That voice is quiet, even silent, until I start making healthier choices and start exercising. There are parts of my life that I feel like I'm missing out on, but how do I find peace and make changes without falling into the diet mentality? How do I let go of the past and the family that I know I can't change? Please help. Sincerely, Old Habits die hard. Hey there, letter writer and fellow dietitian. Hi there. Thanks for your note. It meant a lot to me that you wrote to me about your experiences and dug deep and put it all out there. You bring up some really important points that I know someone else listening has experienced the same thing. Actually, more than just someone. There's been many people that I've talked to along their food peace journey that have struggled with this conversation and this type of history with food. And I can't wait to talk to Sarah Thompson. She's an eating disorder recovery coach. And I think she's going to have some insight that letter writer you are going to find really helpful along your food peace journey. So let's give Sarah a call. Hi, Sarah. It's Julie Duffy Dillon. How are you doing? Hi, Julie. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm excited to talk to you. Same. Well, did you get a chance to read this letter? I did. It's a really great letter. It's like meaty. There's lots of stuff in there, right? (laughs) 
Yes. Lots of stuff. Um, And you know, when I read it, something I was mentioning in the intro is there's some of the things that this letter writer brings up that I know other people can really connect to and can relate to. They've experienced that kind of feeling of confusion on not knowing what to do next. So I'm excited Mm -hmm. to dive in. So when you were reading it, was there like a general impression that you had of what this person's experiencing? You know, I think a lot of it seems to all come back to internalized weight stigma and diet culture. That's really the biggest sense that I got from reading the letter and just how how hard it is to heal that voice and how hard it is to, um, let me change that. Not hard. It's challenging. It's challenging to uh let go of the the voices and let go of the very long pattern especially when it's stuff that we've been dealing with since we were kids um of the internalized weight and food ideas that we've had and grown up with mhm yeah the 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 thing that i circled and like wrote a few times is fat phobia is like so entrenched in all of us mm-hmm. and it, it hurts mm-hmm. everyone, you know, mm-hmm. no matter what type of body and, and lived experience, it hurts everyone. It's going to hurt other people more than, than some people, but like, it's just yes. something that affects everyone. And, um, this letter is a great example of that and Absolutely. the complication and the bullshit that comes from all of it. Yes. Even when you see the other side, you know, it's like, yes, it's still, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you there for sure. Um, mm-hmm. So when you're like, you know, when you're reading it and if you could picture that person in front of you, is there anything that you would say would be some first steps in the direction that this person is wanting to go? You know, I wasn't thinking this when I first read it, but now that you're talking about the person being in front of me, um, it really makes me want to let them know that I'm sorry that this was the way that their family operated and the messages that they got growing up. Um, Just to be able to have somebody say that, you know, it wasn't right. And that um, it's unfortunate that our families couldn't have done better when we were growing up. Um, And I also think you know, I don't want to place any blame on family um, because we're all affected by this. You know, our parents' generations, um, every everyone is affected. And it often, um, especially with people that are socialized as women, we often don't have a choice in the matter in being indoctrinated into diet culture. Um, and I want to recognize that for this person, um, because I think it's just so important to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. And some of the things that I was connecting with were some family dynamics that mm-hmm. um, were a really uh, common example that I've seen with other people where how or how fat phobia, phobia and internalized diet culture, how it's seeped into our family dynamics. And I could mm-hmm. appreciate basically mom and dad both wanting to protect their Mm -hmm. family with this information or this way of being and the mom doing what she needed to do to stay relevant in her family's eyes and her 
um, in her marriage, you know, thinking that's what she just needed mm-hmm. to do. And I also could appreciate this letter writer was having to act like an adult a lot. Like mm-hmm. I saw a lot of trying to save mom and, yes. and trying to root for mom. And, um, and so that, that's part of the, I guess that's the sadness I was picking up and feeling reading it. Like, mm-hmm. wow. Like there was, I think of like ego states and stuff like that and how there wasn't a time to have, um, at least for this piece, this piece of the relationship, there wasn't a, the time to be childlike and playful mm-hmm. and instead had to swoop in and be a parent to the parent. And that that can be really complicated. And I, I think about this person besides the um, acknowledging diet culture in this letter writer's life and one of the reasons why it's so hard for this person to move away is it's even ha- how it may feel like it's rejecting um, mm-hmm. her family and 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 rejecting um, dad on some level, reject- letting mom just you know uh, spiral out of control. Think- having that belief that there's that kind of control with this letter writer moving away from diet culture and and um, yeah, I don't know. That's some some of the things I was ta- I was thinking about. I was I was reading it and I'm like, wow, this is so. Um, such a, an important example. And I have a feeling other people listening can relate to it, you know, just mm-hmm. how that's such a complicated thing. So I don't know if that's something that you've heard from other people or something similar. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, even in my own family, and I hear other people that have absolutely built a lot of their connecting and relating in their families around, you know, what we do with food. Mm-hmm. And if, somebody in that chain decides to take a step back and step out of that, you know, all of those beliefs that everybody's been carrying for a long time, it, it, it disrupts things. And it can be really hard to figure out how to relate and connect in a different way Mm -hmm. when that's what you're so used to. Yeah. And what do you Mm -hmm. think about the part that this letter writer is describing? I want to make sure I can to think through these thoughts because I want to make sure I am <laughs> like verbalizing in the way I'm thinking about mm-hmm. it is um, I got the sense that this letter writer was afraid of re- uh, the rejection that could happen if mm-hmm. the letter writer's body size ended up being smaller by mm. eating and moving in the way that this person wants to move and um, communicating um um, going back to diet culture, not there's even a part of it how she she was afraid that it would go back, like her eating disorder would come back or that mentality mm-hmm. would come back. But the other side of it, a, a fear of, wow, I wonder if the act of doing things that are associated with diet culture would that lead to people's feelings of rejection. Um, I, I don't know if that's something that you caught on to or if I'm kind of just in my own little world with that. But that was one of the things that I was really curious if you um, had any opinions on. I think the thing that stuck out to me was where she talked about she didn't want people to talk about her body if she did end up losing weight. I don't, I think she didn't specifically mention it, but I know that sometimes people in larger bodies, if they've gotten to a place of acceptance, that if they do end up, if their size does become smaller, feel like they're somehow betraying other Mm -hmm. people in larger bodies. I think what you just said is, a better way of phrasing what I was experiencing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, the word betrayal really hit me. I'm like, that's what I, 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 mm-hmm. that's what I was getting the, the, the fear of that. Like I'm going to be mm-hmm. betraying because, um, 
and I don't know if I was reading more into it and, and inserting my uh, other conversations I've had with people, but um, mm-hmm. almost like this visual understanding, I get you um, by being mm-hmm. at a higher weight and afraid that um, mm. she would be betraying. Yeah. So yeah, it's complicated, and, but that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> it is so complicated. <laughs> and, and it's, it's interesting because I just recently actually had a discussion about this um, because, you know, we work, especially if, well, no matter what body you're in, but particularly for people in larger bodies, if you've worked hard to um, come to a place of acceptance or love or appreciation and gratitude for your body, um, mostly that's done with like also kind of accepting my body might not ever change. And then there's things that happen in our life that might present us with our body changing. And so it it's kind of like a kind of feels like a record scratch almost of well I accepted my body the way it is and now I have to deal with it changing again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's and to go through all of the you know different emotions that might come with our body changing and it not being in our control. Mm-hmm. I have a I have a feeling that probably doesn't get talked enough. Mhm. I think you're um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because people's bodies can change because of pregnancy. It could be because somebody starts a medication. It could be somebody goes from being super active to not active or, you know, somebody heals an injury and then you are able to be more active. And like these are just natural fluctuations in our lives and in our bodies and Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and challenging. It is. And I think um, this letter writer brought up something that a lot of us talk a lot about, you know, in her own th- thin or thin privilege. And she mm-hmm. I get the sense that that's what the fear is around the corner. And, um, you know, I've always been in a smaller body and I can't like stop ever like listening and learning from people at higher weights. Like I'm never going to understand the experience and I always mm-hmm. need to keep learning about the privileges. And, um, I know I, I, I know I'm not doing everything right. I, that's impossible, I think, but I'm always going to try to. And mm-hmm. I, that's one of the things I thought about for this person is if, if indeed the body changes, it's important to be aware of, privilege. And that's one of the things I remember learning in counseling school, you know, it's like, it's not always saying something different or doing something different. The biggest piece is to be aware of how you're benefiting from your privilege. And um, so I encourage anyone with privilege, whatever kind it is to sit down and shut up a lot. (laughs) Like like, Mm -hmm. that's what I feel like I need to do most of the time. (laughs) And um you know, and so I don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, mm-hmm. another piece that kind of is turning the um, pivoting a little bit with that same kind of conversation was that how the letter writer describes like, like eating in a certain way and moving in a certain way to mm-hmm. automatically mean being in a smaller weight. Right. And that brought up a lot for me, too. It sounds mm-hmm. like it did for you. And one of the things I it's kind of a surfacey part of that is I get frustrated that salads and movement get to belong to eating disorders or diet culture like that's bullshit yeah. to me like why can't those that re- those of us that are rejecting diet culture opting out or in recovery like why can't we enjoy those things too they don't belong to diet culture and exactly. um those things um 
And doing those things, of course, don't guarantee fitness right. either. Right. <laughs> so that, yeah. So that's it's what I was thinking. Of this. Is that what you were thinking too? Absolutely. I mean, I think it's, I think it's so hard. It, it's challenging because um, that literally is what we are taught to believe. And we see it in every, where we look and it's not true. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you have said. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it isn't fair. Um, and I think it really speaks to how how much room there is for healing our relationship with food and body. Um, because those are the, you know, those are the kinds of things that we still put a lot of put certain value on. And the more that we heal, the less value of like healthy versus unhealthy foods um, are talked about or seen in um, the way that we approach food. And then, and then also with movement, Um, you know, I follow someone on Instagram who is a consistent runner and she's also a fashion model. And I think like the last time I looked, she wears like a size 26 or 28 and Um, we're so not used to seeing images like that or hearing stories or knowing people, um, that talk about being active, um, and being in larger bodies and, but in their bodies, not really changing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's another way that fat phobia is affecting this letter writer is like, it's keeping those. So in such a black and white place, you know, it's categorizing it still. And, um, yeah, like, and part of that is because we don't see the representation of people, different types of people doing things that m- many of us would label as healthy or good, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so much of, I think, I know I see on TV, um, not on my Instagram feed, because I definitely have cultivated that to be like, <laughs> not, but like, if right. I'm watching TV, it's like the headless or the black bar over the eyes um, mm-hmm. for people at higher weights. And And so, um, yeah, that's part of the way that it's keeping the idea that food, no matter the type, belongs to everyone and movement belongs to everyone, not Mm -hmm. just people who identify as a certain way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I have this thing on my podcast, Sarah, called a food piece syllabus. If you're new to the podcast, it's a list of blog posts and other podcasts or movies or anything under the sun that helps promote a... um, more positive relationship with food and and enhances the food peace journey. Did you want to add something to it for this letter writer? I'd love to, um, especially because she or he, I don't really know if the person talks about their gender. Oh, yes, she does. She uses she to describe herself. <laughs> um, she's a dietitian. And um the first thing that came to my mind was Be Nourished, which is in Portland, Oregon. And they have a e-course called Promoting Body Trust in Your Work. It's uh, for helping professionals. And it's a, really, it's a really, really great resource. And I think it's great for people that don't necessarily have time to commit to anything in person. It's also available in Spanish. Um, 
if you don't, if you aren't familiar with Be Nourished, Be Nourished was uh, created by a dietitian and therapist. Their names are Hillary and Dana. Um, and they also offer a four, a three-day retreat um, called the Embodied Practitioner Reclaim Your Own Body Trust. And the, I'm kind of going in the stages, like least commitment to most commitment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um And then the third thing that they offer for um, providers of all different types um, is the Body Trust Provider Certification Training. And it's six months long. And it was something that I actually did about a year and a half ago, started it a year and a half ago. Um, And they are incredible. Uh, Predominantly, like, well, for lots of reasons. But I think the biggest one being that they don't look at providers as being these blank slates that, um, you know, don't relate anything about their personal experience. It's very much, um, in addition to talking with how you can, um, best work with people, they, they also see it as extremely important to work, do our own work and to, um, you know, heal what we need to in our lives with food and body. Um, one, because it's, you know, food, <laughs> we need that mm-hmm. as people. And, and two, that it only improves our ability to help other people. Oh, and, yeah, for sure. I remember learning that as a therapist, you know, you can only expect your clients to do the work that you've done yourself. Yeah. 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 And I think that it can be hard in professional spaces to talk about whether or not we're struggling um, for the fear of of what other people might think of, you know, whoa, that person's not recovered enough or, oh, I can't believe that they talked about that. And, and also just the culture of just in general of our society of thinking that we have to have it all together all of the time. <laughs> yeah. And it's not true. <laughs> Well, it's not possible and, either, right? I yeah. Mean, I, yeah. So, <laughs> I'll never have my shit together. <laughs> I dream <laughs> of the day, but. <laughs> so they they are a really incredible resource, whatever you choose, whatever way you choose to work with them. I don't think you'll be disappointed. Awesome. And, I, you know, I think about this letter writer, the amount of richness and depth and compassion that mm-hmm. she is going to feel with clients that people mm-hmm. who haven't had that experience can, she can go to a place other people can't. And mm-hmm. um, by doing that work, whether it's through one of these be nourished options or working with a therapist or doing mm-hmm. something um, that will help this person get to where they want to go. I just think that's going to be such an amazing thing for the dietetics profession. I think we need more dietitians that have those experiences mm-hmm. and are able to like put that into their work. So I'm excited that this person's a part of our profession <laughs> and also yeah. for what they can bring now and in the future. So mm-hmm. letter writer for sure. I hope that helps. And um, Sarah, if someone wants to know more about you, where mm-hmm. can they find that information or what's the best way to, to find out about your work? The best way to find me is through my website, which is uh, resilientfatgoddess.com. And on social media, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Basically, if you search the exact same name, Resilient Fat Goddess. Mm-hmm. 
Awesome. Well, I'll put links to that and also the Be Nourished services. And um, I'll put this all in the show notes. It'll be easy to find. And thank you so much for your time. I really, I really appreciate it. And it was so great to connect. So thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, Letter Writer. I hope that discussion with Sarah Thompson was helpful to you. I hope it gives you some direction for your next steps. This episode of a Love Food Podcast was brought to you by my PCOS and Food Peace course. Yes, if you have PCOS, you can move away from diets too. I can't wait to show you how. Go to PCOSandFoodPeace.com. And thank you to our guest expert today, Sarah Thompson. If you would like to find out more information about her work, click on over to the show notes. You can also find it at juliedillonrd.com slash lovefood116. All right, enough of that. I see that food is written back. Letter writer, I feel like I'm left hanging. I would love to know how things are going. Keep us posted. And until then, take care. Dear old habits, die hard. We are so very sorry, dear one. You've been mistreated, neglected, and misled your entire life by diet culture and fat phobia. You've internalized the body hatred, and we hope you give yourself self-compassion and nurturing while you work on healing. Doing this healing is just that. Work, hard work, challenging work, and good work. As our travels continue, Keep in mind how much you will bring to fellow food peace travelers. Your eyes that show your fatigue and hope will be a lifeline to others. Love, food. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is a Love Food Podcast. Do you want access to more food peace? Jump on over to my website and join my email list. There, I share exclusive content that I don't share anywhere else. Get access to these tips and strategies by going to juliedillonrd.com forward slash sign up. And I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Love Food Podcast. Take care. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.